0: This episode of Writer Dead is sponsored by TBR, Book Riot's subscription service offering reading recommendations personalized to your reading life. Want great new mystery books to read but overwhelmed by all the publishing buzz? Let us help. Tell TBR about your reading likes and dislikes and what you're looking for and sit back while your bibliologist handpicks recommendations just for you. TBR offers plans to receive hardcover books in the mail or recommendations by email, so there's an option for every budget. TBR is produced in partnership with Print, a bookstore in Portland, Maine, so you can treat your shelf and support an indie too. And TBR is also available as a gift. Visit mytbr.co to sign up today. That's mytbr.co.
1: Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 82, and we are recording on Tuesday, July 28th. I'm Katie McLean Horner, along with Rincy Abraham, and we're coming to you from Book Riot.
0: Hi, Katie.
1: Hi, Rincy. How are you?
0: I'm good. I feel like it's been a really long time since we recorded last, and I don't know why because it's only been the normal two weeks because like I legitimately had this moment of was this the fourth of July break that we just had but no we're at the end of July now (laughs) this is just like trucking along
1: (laughs) this my I mean my only explanation is that time has lost all meaning
0: well yes of course
1: (laughs) yeah I mean that goes without saying (laughs) but no I've lost complete track of time I forgot that we were podcasting this week until like two days ago and I was like oh wait this is our podcasting week. Oh, geez. So I've lost track of what day it is, what month we're in. I'm yeah. ve- I mean, the universe does continually remind me that this is still 2020. So that hasn't escaped my notice. But yeah, other than that, I'm lucky if I remember if it's a weekday or a weekend.
0: Yeah, I'm honestly one of those people that's so gr- I mean, I'm very grateful that I like still have my job and whatnot, but honestly, I feel like that's the only thing that's been like maintaining any level of like relative sanity in terms of like keeping track of at least like knowing it's a weekday versus a weekend. I don't necessarily know what weekday it is all the time, but I at least know it's a weekday because I had to go to work.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, definitely the same. I I used to joke that our Zoom meetings that we had. I mean, for a while we were having a Zoom meeting every day of the week, but I, you know, I told my coworkers I didn't totally mind because it helped me keep track of what day it was. But now that our schedules have changed, our library is open to the public now, I mean, only for 12 hours a week. So it's just a very short time. But it's thrown all of our schedules into complete disarray. And we've had to move when we've usually had our check-in Zoom meetings. Mm. So they used to be like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and now they're Tuesday, Thursday, and at a completely different time. So I literally the last couple of weeks, I'm like, what day is it? Do I have to be on a Zoom meeting? Is there something else I'm forgetting? Yeah. I just don't know anymore. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. I mean, I've always
0: been a big proponent of uh, calendars and planners. And not that like planners necessarily, but like it has helped. But like if I didn't have calendar reminders, what would I do? I would be a lost, a, like completely adrift at sea with no idea what I'm supposed to be attending at any moment.
1: <laughs> oh, gosh. But at least right now, we know in this moment it is Tuesday. <laughs> the 28th. July 28th. Yeah. Gosh darn it. And we are recording our podcast. So at least once every two weeks, assuming we, re- we remember in time to hop on to our, our recording devices and record the podcast, we, we know what day it is at least once every two weeks. That is very true.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, let me jump into the first sponsor. So this episode is sponsored by Flatiron Books, and they are the publishers of His and Hers by Alice Feeney. There are two sides to every story, yours and mine, ours and theirs, hers and his, or should I say his and hers, which means someone is always lying. When a woman is murdered in Blackdown, a quintessential British village, newsreader Anna Andrews is reluctant to cover the case. Detective Jack Harper is suspicious of her involvement until he becomes a suspect in his own murder investigation. Someone isn't telling the truth and some secrets are worth killing to keep. So His and Hers is by Alex Feeney, who is the New York Times bestselling author of Sometimes I Lie, which is a book that I know a lot of people really enjoyed. So Alex Feeney has a new book out, which is a gripping tale of suspense asking who you can really trust. Um, Mary Kubica calls His and Hers deliciously dark. So if you are looking for a dark suspense book to pick up right now, um, definitely check out His and Hers by Alex Feeney. And thanks so much to Flatiron Books for sponsoring this episode
1: all right so welcome to the show everyone whether you are a longtime listener or a newbie we are so happy to have you listening to us it just makes us so happy to know that people keep keep downloading our podcast every two weeks to listen to us talk about mysteries and suspense it just warms my heart so much And this is the part of every episode where we put out a call to our listeners to invite them to share topics for upcoming episodes with us. It really helps us come up with new ideas for future episodes. It helps us discover new subgenres, new authors, find different areas of the world of mystery and suspense that we may not have otherwise uncovered before and it's just it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to hear from everyone about things that they, that you would like to hear us talk about on the show. So if there's a news item that you're interested in hearing more about or if there's a subgenre you haven't explored much or if you're looking for any kind of reading recommendations or mysteries set in a particular location, Anything along those lines. If it falls under mystery or suspense, we'll we'll probably cover it on the show. And we would love to get suggestions from all of you. So we always have our contact information at the end of the show, but we like to put out the invitation at the beginning to kind of get those brain juices going and see what suggestions you all have for us. For example, the last episode that we did where we talked about locked room mysteries, that came from a listener, which again, I thought was just such a great idea considering, you know, we're all like, four or five months into a quarantine at this point. I thought that was just a really a really smart idea to do for an episode. So with that, I guess um, I'll turn it over to you, Rincey. Do you want to kick us off with our, with our usual news segment?
0: Yeah, sure. So first up, we have that the Shirley Jackson Award winners have been announced. We talked about this briefly in an earlier episode while talking about when the nominations came out. And so just wanted to quickly mention that the recipients have been announced. Obviously, like this usually would be like a whole award gala situation, but because of everything that's happening in in the world they did everything virtually. So there is a youtube video where they kind of like virtually announce all of the winners. So if you want to watch that, that's available. But there's also a post that i'm looking at from tor um that lists all of the winners so the winner of best novel is the book of x by sarah rose Etter, which i haven't read but i'm very excited that two dollar radio won this they published the book and so you know they were part of the awards and i always kind of like it when these smaller indie presses end up winning awards um and there's you can run through the list of all of the winners but uh for novella or or Me Shadow by Priya Sharma won. Um, Luminous Body by Brooke Wara won Best Novelette. Um, there's a section for si- short fiction, single author collection, edit anthology. So if you are a fan of like suspense, horror, psychological, sort of darker fantasy things, then this award will probably have good book recommendations for you. So again, there'll be a link in the show notes so you can check out the full winners. But congratulations to everyone who won the Shirley Jackson Award this year.
1: And in other award news, the International Thriller Writer Thriller Awards were announced recently. So the International Thriller Writers is a professional group for mystery and suspense writers, and they do an award ceremony every year. And so the winners were just announced. Best Hardcover Novel went to The Chain by Adrian McKinty, which we've talked about several times on this show. I have not gotten around to reading it yet, but it is definitely on my TBR. For best first novel, one of our absolute favorites on this show, Miracle Creek by Angie Kim, which just keeps raking in the awards. As it deserves. As it deserves. That book is amazing, absolutely amazing. But it's like every time for like the last year, if we see that Miracle Creek is nominated for an award, chances are it's gonna win that award. It is so, so good. So the international thriller writers are totally on board with that. Best paperback original, The Scholar by Dervla McTiernan. I read The Ruins by Dervla McTiernan. I think sometime last year, which was a really, which was a really good story for um, if you're a ton of French fan like Renzi and I are, obviously. So the winners have been announced for the 2020 Thriller Awards, but when you click on the link and you scroll down a little bit, it will also take you to the shortlist for all the categories, and there are even more riches in these categories. There's They All Fall Down by Rachel Housel-Hall. There's The Silent Patient by Alex Michaelides. There's American Spy by Lauren Wilkinson, My Lovely Wife by Samantha Downing, so many good books and stories here. So we definitely recommend taking a look at the winners for this award ceremony, but really take a look at the at the shortlist as well, because all of these books are fantastic. So I, I always get excited when they announce awards. And I honestly, I sometimes get more excited about the shortlist than I do the actual winners, because the shortlist give you so many more reading suggestions.
0: Yeah, I 100% agree with that because <laughs> most of the time, like, I feel like I don't, not that I don't agree with the award winners, because obviously we just said we're super excited that Milk Creek keeps winning. But a lot of times when you see like a book on the list that you love and then you see like four recommendations around it, you're like, well, I like this one book. So that means there's a good chance I'm going to like all these other ones. And so it's a great resource if you are looking for books that fall into like specific types of mysteries and thrillers. It's a good, it's a great recommendation tool. All right, now moving on to the adaptation section (laughs) of our news uh, segment. First up, I have that Magpie Murders has been set to become an adaptation. I'm not sure why I phrased it that way. Uh, But basically, PBS Masterpiece is going to co-produce and then broadcast a six-part drama series based on Magpie Murders by Anthony Horowitz, which when this was announced, I was like, yes, this is the perfect sort of like adaptation pairing uh, because this book has a very like masterpiece feel to it. For anyone who's read it, you probably understand what I mean. Uh, because this is like a modern take on kind of those golden era mystery books. And so it kind of fits perfectly. There's no real information in terms of like release date or any names attached to it, anything along those lines. But because like PBS is producing it, there's a pretty high chance that it will be coming to PBS uh, in the relatively near future. Um, And then it will also be airing in the BBC through BritBox UK, it says. And so I'm kind of intrigued to see sort of what happens with this adaptation because uh, it's a very good and interesting book and there's sort of like a mystery within a mystery aspect to it as well and so it'll be interesting to see sort of like who ends up getting attached and how they end up basically like showing this as a story. Um, Definitely doing it as a six-part drama series makes so much more sense than doing it as like say a movie because of like the complexities of this story within a story element but I definitely will have my eye on this adaptation whenever it comes out.
1: Yeah, Magpie Murders was a lot of fun. And my reading tastes typically tend to go much darker. And so I don't read a lot of classic mystery stories. But Magpie Murders was a lot of fun. If you haven't read it yet, but you're a fan of Agatha Christie and those types of like classic British mysteries, you really want to pick this one up. It's really clever. And in other adaptation news, but on the completely opposite end of the spectrum in terms of overall mood and darkness and whatnot, there was an announcement that Apple has acquired the rights to Lauren Bukas' thriller The Shining Girls, which is about a time-traveling serial killer in Chicago. And I read this book like five years ago because... Time Traveling Serial Killer in Chicago is like the perfect description to get me to read a book, and it is so bonkers. It is dark, it's gory, it's intense, it's really complex, it's got such an interesting storyline that only starts to make sense towards the end of the book, but once it does, you're like, oh my gosh, I get it! It's so good! And I was so excited to see that it's being adapted and they're getting Elizabeth Moss to play Kirby, the main character in the book, which I'm terrible at thinking ahead about, oh, which actor or actress would I like to see in this hypothetical role? But as soon as I saw Elizabeth Moss was attached to this, I went, that's it. That is perfect. And she's just got this kind of toughness to her when she acts and i think that she'll really be able to bring that to the character but anyway i am so so excited about this adaptation news and it's also really making me want to reread the shining girls again because again time traveling serial killer in chicago it's so cool
0: (laughs) (laughs) only on our podcast would there be a phrase like that (laughs) I'm traveling serial killers but to be fair like honestly if you haven't read lauren bukis before i'm someone who you very much know i'm not quite as far on the dark and demented side as <laughs> katie is but uh, i read shining girls and i also read broken monsters by lauren Bucus, and they are both very much bonkers bonkers books but they are so gripping and so well done so i am also very excited to see how this adaptation turns out
1: yeah, fingers crossed, because it is definitely a, it, it would, it is going to be a difficult story to adapt just because it is so complex. But it's so good and so unlike anything that you've ever read before that I really, I'm really hoping they do it justice.
0: All right. And then our final piece of news is kind of news, but kind of not really news. We usually don't talk about things like this, but I found this interesting enough that I wanted to talk about it. Um, So there is a kickstarter for this collection of noir stories being told by Black creators. So it's being called Noir is the New Black and it's a kickstarter for what's basically going to become a comic book anthology. And so I just thought this was really interesting, partially because like black noir, great. I'm super in. uh, But also the fact that it's a comic book. The list of artists seem really incredible. I'm not going to go through all of them because it's a giant anthology, but there's a lot of really great art that's being featured on here. And so I definitely just wanted to bring attention to it in case this is something that other people would be interested in. Um, They have a $36,000-ish goal for this project. And so right now, as of this recording, they are almost at $14,000. So again, we're gonna have links in the show notes to everything we talked about here, but also to this Kickstarter. So if you're interested in learning more about it, and also this uh, Kickstarter is like really well put together, like they have a whole section talking about Black Noir as a specific genre and talking about authors like Walter Moseley, uh Chester Himes, Paula L. Woods, and sort of like the history behind Black Noir specifically, and how uh, they are hoping to highlight that type of story and storytelling in the. Comics. I'm someone who really enjoys comics as well, so I have already backed this enough to uh, get a eventual, hopefully, printed edition of it. Uh, they have like samples of art from some of the artists who are going to be a part of it. But obviously, you know, like with all kickstarters, there's like tiers, and you can get lots of different things depending on uh, how much you're willing to pledge. But I think the version for getting a physical version of the book is around forty dollars. So just know that going into it, but they have it so you can just pledge any dollar amount without getting an award too. So even if you just want to throw a couple dollars their way, there's a little bit less than a month to go on the Kickstarter. But I definitely just wanted to talk about it a little bit and uh, raise a little awareness for this little Kickstarter.
1: Yeah, that's really cool. It's, It's amazing what some of the things that you can see sponsored on Kickstarter, some of the different books or whatever that they put out. It's really, it's really, really cool. All right, so for this episode, we are doing a theme that we've done in the past several times, um, Mysteries by Black Authors, and a lot of times we'll do this in February in conjunction with Black History Month, but we always say these aren't books that you can only read in February or that you should just only read in February. These are books to be read all year round because Black authors are always writing, and it's doesn't do them any kind of justice to to just confine their books to you know reading it in honor of Black History Month one month out of the year. So with everything that's going on in the world with the protests and all of the calls for justice by black communities and whatnot, we thought that this was just a really appropriate time to focus again on mysteries that we haven't read before that have been written by black authors but before we jump into the books that each of us read for this episode we also thought it might be a good idea to highlight a few of the other black authors that we've talked about in previous episodes on this show so if you're a new listener or if you it's like oh i remember them talking about that one author but i can't remember this will be this this first bit will just be like a brief introduction to you know if you're looking to get into the world of black crime authors here are some names that you definitely want to hit up so i've the first one that i Rincey and i both absolutely love she's won awards for for her writing before is attica Locke? holy cow if you read any black crime author attica Locke is unbelievable she's written all kinds of mystery and crime books she wrote The Cutting Season which was a really really intense murder mystery set on a southern plantation. Her most recent series which has been winning like the Edgar Awards and everything. Her first book in that series Bluebird. Bluebird was so it was dark, it was gritty. It looked at racial tensions in Texas. All of the characters are extremely complicated and they don't make good choices, and they deal with the consequences of those choices, and it's messy, and it's realistic, and she just, oh my gosh, she's just fantastic. So, I mean, that's one That's one of our favorites, Rincey. I know you added a ton of authors to this list that I'm looking at, so you go ahead and jump in before I keep going on about Attica Lock and taking up all of our time.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, it's funny because when we were talking about this, I just like, once I started Going, I just felt like I was going on a roll. I'm just gonna pick a couple off this list because this could potentially be the entire segment if we're not careful. But ones that we've read recent or I've read recently, I should say, um, Stephen Mac Jones, who is probably one of the ones that I think is slightly under the radar. He wrote the August Snow series and I think there's two books currently out in that series. Um, and I really enjoy those. Those are kind of just like this, n- n- I don't want to say standard, but I think if you like sort of like police procedurals, but it's like a retired police officer sort of situation. That would definitely be a great one to pick up. Lamar Giles is like honestly one of my favorites that I think doesn't get talked about enough because he writes young adult mysteries and I'm someone who just really enjoys young adult mysteries. But he also has like this really fun and funny sense of humor that he infuses into all of his mysteries that I really like. Um He wrote Fake ID um, as well as Spin. Um He has a new book that came out this year that's not a mystery and I was I'm not gonna lie I was a little bit sad that it wasn't a mystery book I'm still gonna read it because I love Lamar Giles but (laughs) I was like oh it's just contemporary (laughs) not just contemporary but you know (laughs) um and then uh Oink and Braithwaite is one that Katie and I again have talked about a lot she wrote My Sister the Serial Killer it was one of our favorite books of was it last year or 2018 that book came out I don't remember
1: 2018
0: yeah and we've basically just talked about it ever since it came out. Um but that book is a really great dark suspense book that has like this really interesting angle to it that I was not expecting at all. Um it's a relatively short book but I just remember like not putting that book down for like an entire day because I was so obsessed with that plot and that storyline and wanting to know what was going to happen in that situation. Um so yeah, those are just like a handful of the ones that we've read recently, Katie. I don't know if you want to highlight any of the others uh before we move into the books that we actually
1: read <laughs> um one other one that i do want to mention just because a lot of times mysteries can be on the darker end or more intense but if you're looking for something on the cozier end of the spectrum kelly garrett with her hollywood homicide series if you're looking for something fun kind of lighthearted, but still has that mystery at its element you, I think that would be a really good series to pick up. I, I know that there's more than one in the series that's out now. I there, I, there may only be two out in her Hollywood Homicide series. There may be three. I could be wrong, but that would be another one if you're if you're looking for something lighthearted just to kind of mix it up a little bit. But seriously, yeah, my sister the serial killer. Read it. It is so good. It is so different than a regular than just you know, what you think of as your typical suspense novel. It's got so many layers and it talks about racism and colorism and feminism. And it's just, it's amazing how much she packs into such a small book. It's, the layers are incredible. And it's also got like my favorite book cover of all time. So if you haven't seen the cover, just look it up and bask in its glory.
0: So the book that I read for this episode was Paper Gods by Goldie Taylor. And this is a kind of political thriller, sort of. Um, So it takes place, there's like a lot of layers to this story. So I'm going to try my best to uh, summarize it for you guys. So this is a story that takes place in Atlanta and one of the main characters is this mayor named Victoria Dobbs Overstreet who comes from this very like upper class family. She went to like Harvard and Spelman. She's married to a heart surgeon. They are like part of this like very elite family in Atlanta. They are black. And they are basically on the up and up. And they are at church one day with their friend and ally, this congressman named Ezra Hawkins. And they are at the historic Ebenezer Baptist Church, which is uh, Martin Luther King Jr.'s church, if you aren't aware. And the congressman is gunned down by an assassin in the church itself and whatnot. And so this basically starts off like a series of events. And kind of like conspiracy theories about what exactly is going on. The mayor looks inside of the Bible that the congressman was holding and sees this origami paper god that is inside the Bible. And she believes that someone was like targeting him for some reason like that. Of course, Mayor Dobbs does not have her hands completely clean. Their other uh, main character is this reporter who has been talking about how, well, he's reported on how Her brother, who was her campaign manager, was basically uh, potentially involved in like dirty money and taking bribes and all this stuff. And so the mayor ended up having to fire her brother. The reporter was in a car accident basically at the start of the book and he believes that like the mayor like hired someone to cut his brakes and things along those lines. So there is kind of like these dual storylines of the mayor trying to like move ahead politically uh, while also trying to figure out what exactly happened with the congressman. There's this reporter who is trying to take down these dirty politicians um, and all of this is happening in Atlanta which like I'm not sure if you're aware or not. I have like a little bit of knowledge about it for reasons. Uh, But like Atlanta has like this really interesting setup where it has like this very heavily celebrated like black culture and like black people have like significant amounts of power power politically and things like that. But it's still a very like segregated city um, and things are like changing even as we speak within the city. Um, Neighborhoods that were predominantly black are now being taken over by real estate development and all that stuff. And so like that's talked about in this book. But this is like 100% one of those books where like if you are into like political conspiracy theories and all of that stuff and you're into like local city politics, this would definitely be one up your alley. Like there's something about Atlanta, like one of the reasons why I'm like interested in that city in general is because it feels very akin to Chicago in certain ways because Chicago also has a very uh, complicated political structure to say the least.
1: That's one way Uh, to put it. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So uh, this is me saying that nicely. And so like a lot of the things that are talked about in this book are things that are like very familiar to me but are not things that I necessarily realized were true in Atlanta as well. So uh, Goldie Taylor is someone who like lives in Atlanta. She's I think currently an editor at the Daily Beast or something along uh, or previously was. I don't know if she still is. But she you can definitely tell like she's pulling from real life experience. She does like name drop different real life atlanta based politicians throughout the book which i thought was really amusing um it was also kind of funny because she also uh name drops uh representative john lewis and i was like reading this like literally in the middle of him passing away and stuff like that and so i was like oh john lewis but yeah i really enjoyed it i mean it's just like a really fun political book and i think that this is like one side of the spectrum in terms of like types of mysteries that personally we don't really talk about very much and I don't read a whole lot of, but it is a thing that it's like really fun. Like this is very much one of those books that's like the perfect summer read because like you just get caught up in it. And it was one of those books where I could very easily just like sit outside and like get completely caught up in the conspiracy and layers. Um, This is one of those books that I really feel like would be great adapted into a tv show. Um, It reminds me of a lot of the tv shows that I watch on like own like green leaf um <laughs> that have like all these like conspiracy and layers not yeah conspiracy i so to speak but it has it has like a very like soap opera tendency to it that i really enjoy so yes that again is called paper gods by goldie taylor and uh, i definitely recommend it
1: All right, now before I jump into my book, I do have our second sponsor for the episode, which is The Truth Hurts by Rebecca Reed, and this is published by Harper Paperbacks. So this is a twisty, psychological, compelling thriller about a young woman who quickly embarks on what she thinks is the relationship and love of a lifetime, and she's thrilled when her new husband insists that they follow one rule. They don't talk about their pasts, but it's a rule that has dangerous consequences probably not surprising. (laughs) So this is just supposed to be a fast, fun, twisty read. It's got lots of exotic locations. It's got a very upper class feel to it with like luxury shopping and yeah, these exotic places and stuff. So if you're looking for a book that, that has that luxurious feel to it, This would be a really interesting one to pick up. So, it's been getting all kinds of rave reviews. And again, that is Truth Hurts by Rebecca Reed and published by Harper Paperbacks. And we thank them very much for sponsoring this episode. Okay, so the book that I read was Three Fifths by John Vercher, which I want to highlight the publisher is Agora Books. And they are a newish small publisher. And they focus primarily on publishing crime fiction written by diverse authors. I know, Rinsey, you have read The Ninja Daughter, for example. That was published by Agora Books, and they they don't put out a ton of books every year, but the ones that they do are really, really interesting and written by marginalized or diverse authors. So this is a really great way to expand your reading horizons. Just look for books published by Agora. So Three Fifths is this short little book. It is set against the OJ Simpson trial in the mid 90s. It's set in Pittsburgh. And it's about there's the two characters at the beginning of the book. There's Bobby, who is the main character. And then there's Aaron. Aaron was Bobby's best friend in high school. Aaron was sent to prison a few years previously and has just gotten out. But he has fallen in with a group of white supremacists in prison. And he's carrying those ideals out into the outside world. And at the beginning of the book, this is not giving anything away. At the beginning of the book, Bobby runs into Aaron right after he's been released from prison. And Aaron said, Hey, come with me. Let's go grab some food. I haven't seen you in a few years. And so they go to grab food at this restaurant and Aaron ends up Assaulting a young black man at the restaurant in a very horrific way. And Bobby is kind of pulled along, like he's there to witness it. He's shocked by what he sees, but he ends up driving. He was driving the car when they got there. He drives the car away afterwards because Aaron is inebriated and in no shape to drive. And the thing that Aaron does not know is that Bobby is biracial, but he's, he, his father was black, but Bobby passes for white. And he was raised by his white relatives. And he has kept that part of his identity a secret. So Aaron doesn't know this. So Bobby is now faced with, he is with the person who used to be his best friend, who now is, he is a white supremacist. He has just violently assaulted a black person. Bobby is now implicated in this, and he is now being pulled in so many different directions. So this book, I mean, you want to talk about this, this is not what at all what you would call a fun, like a lighthearted read. This is, this is a heavy book, and it starts off, it starts off heavy, and it, it just kind of goes from there. But it is such a compelling story. And you just, I had it as an ebook. And and so, I mean, I wasn't physically turning the pages, but I was thumbing the screen of my phone going, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And it looks at the complexities of racial identity and hate crimes and all of this stuff. And it's juxtaposed against the OJ Simpson trials, which I was much too young to remember when, That when that was happening, I was in elementary school. I, you know, I turned on TV and I'm I'm like, we're watching Rugrats. Um, So this is all juxtaposed against this trial, which really was extremely divisive for the country based on what, you know, what people believe. Did OJ do it? Did he not do it? And there was a large racial divide between these two viewpoints, basically. And yeah, this is just a really this is a heavy, this is a short book, but it's kind of a gut punch. It's, you know, there's it, they talk about there's some really difficult topics that they that they talk about. There is there's a trigger warning in there for um, if miscarriage, or anything along those lines is triggering for people, which I know it definitely can be. There is part of one of the sub storylines for a secondary character kind of goes into detail about about that. So just be aware of that. That one took even me by surprise a little bit. But yeah, there's a there's a lot going on into, in this in this very short book. But wow, it is so powerful. And this book, like, if you skim through even the Goodreads reviews, readers are going, wow, wow, wow. Like, it's, it's just really impactful. So again, that is three fifths by John Vircher. And yeah, I really highly recommend picking up this one. Just be prepared. This isn't going to be a fun, breezy weekend read. This this one's going to, going to take a little bit of a stomach to get through, but it's very well written, very gritty and it just feels very authentic definitely worth a read
0: i will completely admit i never heard of 3 Fists until you told me you were going to read it for this episode and <laughs> that sounds amazing
1: <laughs> yeah it's it's one it's definitely a book that has flown I, it was only published last year i think so it hasn't been out for very long but it has definitely flown under under the radar but i ordered a copy from my library so that was part of the reason why i knew about it
0: that helps <laughs> yes <laughs> All right. So uh, like we said before, like we are very much proponents of reading diversely in every sense of the word. And part of that is reading and talking about uh, books by Black authors, obviously publishing world in general, but especially like mysteries specifically have a long way to go in terms of being slightly equitable even when it comes to publishing diversely. But we hope that like by talking about this stuff we can encourage some of you to pick up these books, support these books, support these authors, Um, and then hopefully this will encourage uh, publishers to continue to seek out books by people from various backgrounds so yeah definitely let us know if you've like read any of these books or if you have other authors you want us to check out feel free to like tweet at us email us um like we've said before we always appreciate those sort of suggestions because you guys read good books too and you sometimes (laughs) know about stuff that we don't so yeah definitely let us know All right, I'm going to jump into new releases for this week. Um, There are some very interesting books coming out. I mean, there's always interesting books coming out, but uh, this week I was very intrigued by some of the ones that uh, are on the list. So first up, I have The Silence of the White City, which is out today as of this recording. And this is by Eva Garcia-Saiens, and this is translated from the Spanish by Nick Castor. So you are following uh, Inspector Unai Lopez de Ayala who is known as Kraken and he is in charge of investigating a series of ritualistic murders. Um, And these killings are eerily similar to ones that terrorized this uh, city of Vitoria 20 years earlier. But back then the police had actually arrested someone, this prestigious archaeologist who is currently in jail. So now Kraken is basically trying to figure out whether or not the person that they have in jail is actually the correct killer or if they've incorrectly charged this person with these crimes in the past or if he had some sort of accomplice and now that person is come, has come back and decided to start these murders again. So this is a new fast-paced book that is the first book in what is called the white city trilogy. Um, Eva Garcia Sainz is from Spain and so these books have all been published already in spanish and are now being translated into english. So If you are looking for a fast-paced thriller that weaves in uh, mythology and legends from the Basque Country and are interested in looking for a new series to check out, then uh, I definitely recommend The Silence of the White City by Eva Garcia Sainz. Next up for something that sounds kind of fun, it's called Death of a Telenovela Star, which is by Teresa Dovelpage. So this is a new novella that is set on a Caribbean cruise and you are following a former former Havana detective named Marlene Martinez who is running a bakery now in Miami and she has decided to book a week-long cruise to Mexico and the Caribbean with her niece Sarita as a kind of quinceanera present. And so Sarita is thrilled to find out that a Cuban telenovela star is also going to be on that same trip. But while trying to keep her niece away from these, this really handsome actor, Marlene gets the feeling that Carlo Alberto, the actor, is in some kind of trouble because he is constantly on the edge and there are all these shady characters who seem to find their way to him. And so when a murder occurs aboard the cruise ship, Marlene will rely on her instincts that she hoped that she would never use again. Um, So this is a new novella that showcases the dark and sometimes deadly side of celebrity. Um, And it sounds like something that's kind of like an interesting and fun twist on the typical mystery. So again, that is called Death of a Telenovela Star. And then finally, I have Imperfect Women by Aramita Hall. So this is the author of Our Kind of Cruelty, which Katie loved and I know lots of other people loved as well. So she has a new book out now. And this book follows uh, Nancy Hennessy, who is murdered, and she leaves behind two best friends, an adoring husband and a daughter, as well as a secret lover whose identity she took to the grave. Uh, Nancy was gorgeous, wealthy, and cherished by those who knew her, and from the outside, her life was perfect. But as the investigation into her death sort of grows, her friends Eleanor and Mary wrestle with their grief, uh, dark details start to surface that reveal that... They didn't really know their friend very all um, and they don't really know each other and maybe not even themselves. So this is a book that looks into kind of the impossible expectations and secrets that fester and can become lethal. Um, And this book unfolds through the perspectives of three different women. And it looks at their enduring and complex friendship. And the reader must sort of untangle this to answer the question of who really killed Nancy. Um, So if you are someone who enjoys sort of highly suspenseful books uh, it's getting comparisons to kind of like patricia highsmith types of book or paula hawkins um then armita hall might be up your alley as well so again that one is called imperfect women
1: all right Ooh, so many new books to add to my list <laughs> i say that every episode but it's true it's true <sighs> well at any rate i've you know kind of plugging along with life i haven't finished much. I haven't started much. I've just been kind of picking through some of the books that I had previously started, so I don't have too much of an update. However, this last weekend, Blaine and I were preparing. We took my parents' old couch that they were going to just throw away, but it's in fantastic shape and our couch is just destroyed. So we were like, woohoo, new couch. My parents sent it over. So that meant I had to move the bookshelf next to our old couch, which had all of my old arcs on it. And I had to go through those and get rid of some of them so that we could move the bookshelf. And so I uncovered a few books that I forgot I had on there, which was kind of fun. So I don't specifically know what I'm going to be starting yet, but I'm hoping that Clearing Off My arc shelf might have highlighted a few new books that I can dive into that I forgot I had on my person. And once I get them out of the cardboard box that they're sitting in, hopefully... (laughs) hopefully that that'll introduce a couple of new suggestions for me so we'll see what i come up with for next episode
0: i mean i feel like that's sort of like a present to yourself from past katie
1: (laughs) it is like there were there were a couple of books that i pulled out i went i forgot i grabbed this one cool so I have to go through there and rearrange the books but yeah it was kind of fun because I had like two layers of books on this shelf it's it's a low kind it's got weird angles to it so it's not like a standard bookshelf at all and so it's very easy for books to hide so I was like pulling stuff out and I was like oh my gosh I totally remember I grabbed this one now so yeah it was it was kind of a kind of a fun surprise and then Blaine was there going he's like why do you bring home all of these new books I'm like, stop asking me things.
0: (laughs) Uh, Well, I have uh, still been reading, not quite at the pace I was before, but I, you know, I'm chugging along here as well. Um, So I recently read A Good Girl's Guide to Murder, which I think I mentioned in the last episode that I was currently reading. Um, This is a young adult mystery book by Holly Jackson. This is a really fun book. Uh, So I went into this like with relatively high expectations because I had known a lot of people who had read it because this was originally published in the uk in like 2019 i want to say and then it finally came over to the us i think this year um and so in this book you are following this girl named pippa or pip and she is in her senior year of high school five years ago there was a girl at her school named andy bell who was murdered and it was assumed that she was murdered by her boyfriend, Sal Singh. Um, Now, Sal Singh was never, like, properly brought to trial because he was found dead in the woods himself. And so the... And there was, like, kind of a confession that was left with his dad. So everyone just assumed that Sal did it and like put the thing to rest. Of course there were a lot of like open questions about this, like besides the fact of like whether or not Sal did it. Uh, But Andy's bell body was also never recovered. She just kind of went missing and everyone assumed that she was dead um, based on some evidence that had occurred. So now Pippa is in her senior year and she has decided to do sort of like her final year or capstone project about these murders. So um, she pitches this originally as like being a project about like the way the media covered the murders and things like that. But she's really like actually obsessed with trying to figure out what exactly happened. So this book is really, really fun. I will say it does, uh, suffer from kind of the teenager who just happens to look in all the right places at all the right times to get the right answer sort of syndrome. Um, but it actually gave me a lot of vibes to like Veronica Mars, uh, which not a lot of books do. And I'm someone who loves Veronica Mars. And so whenever I find a book that has that vibe to it, I'm definitely will sing its praises um, because it is a darker story. Uh, the mystery and the deaths itself are like very dark. Obviously, you're dealing with the death of a teenage girl, which veronica mars deals with in the first episode or in the first season and like so i think that sort of has to do with it as well and there are like a bunch of different people who pip considers as being potential actual killers the ending i did not see coming and so that's always a really nice surprise as well um i will say For whatever reason, the publishers decided that when they were going to publish this in the U.S., they decided to transplant it from being a U.K.-based story to being a U.S.-based story, which felt a little bit weird to me because you could kind of tell that these are British people – That are just like set in the US, like the way that they talk and the things that they reference don't necessarily make sense for the United States, (laughs) which I just thought was really weird because I was like, why couldn't it just been set in England? But anyways, that's a completely separate uh, rant for another day. But so don't let that deter you if you like pick up this book and you are slightly thrown off by it. Because I think that, again, it's just like really fun, a great page turner. Um, I've heard that the audiobook for this is amazing. I didn't listen to the audio, but lots of people said that the audiobook is great. So if you are into audio, definitely check it out on that. Um, so yeah, this is A Good Girl's Guide to Murder by Holly Jackson. And apparently this is the first book in a series. Um, so I'm definitely intrigued to see sort of what comes next in this series because this is one of those books that is like completely self contained. Um, So if there were no more books, I would be completely satisfied. So it'll be interesting to see sort of what comes next. And then in terms of what I'm going to be reading next, I'm not really sure because I am not in the middle of anything at the moment and I also have a giant pile of books that I need to work my way through. So we'll see what happens between now and the next episode. But I'm excited because I actually have a couple days off this week and so I want to just sit down with some books. yeah just like (laughs) enjoy the day off and sit with some books and like you know chill out a little bit because i need that
1: take a moment wherever you can
0: honestly (laughs) all right so that is our show thanks so much to everyone for listening thank you to our wonderful sound editor jen Zink for making us sound terrific every other week for our show notes, head over to bookwright.com slash listen. There will be links to all everything we talked about in terms of news stories, the kickstarter we mentioned, all of the books that we mentioned. All of that is always linked in our show notes. So definitely check that out if you are interested in anything that we talked about here today. If you enjoyed the podcast, definitely leave us a review on Apple Podcasts so that way other people can find us and discover us. If you want to send us an email with feedback or show suggestions or just talking to us about some books you've enjoyed recently, you can find us at red or dead at bookriot.com. Otherwise, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I am at Rinci A.
1: And I'm on Twitter at KT underscore library lady. And we will talk to you all next time. Bye. Bye.